it's Rebecca and Debbie and you're listening to Just Ghouly Things. Hey Boo Things, welcome back to Just Ghouly Things and we're your beautiful hosts Rebecca and Debbie. And if you don't know who Debbie is, you should know. It is my mom. That is the surprise co-host for today. It's a nice little surprise. So uh, my mom is pretty much the reason why I even got into the paranormal and why I started this podcast. So shout out to my mom for making this podcast possible, for involving me and educating me on the paranormal world at a young age, going to like Salem, Massachusetts, starting, like how old was I? Like 10. elementary school, maybe about Yeah. And uh, we had weird experiences there that I've talked about um, at Salem, Massachusetts. And what got you into the paranormal? Like, how old were you? My first experience was, I must have been maybe your age, maybe when you started, maybe around 10 years old. And I could remember waking up one night and seeing a dark figure standing over my bed Mm. and I remember I couldn't scream I went to scream and I distinctly remember opening my mouth and nothing coming out Mm -hmm. and I closed my eyes real tight hoping it would go away and then when I peeked it was gone and then I later learned that there was a spirit in the house and his name was Charles okay and how did you hear about Charles I heard of Charles my when my mom and dad originally bought the house in the 50s when they were first married. The house originally belonged to um, a priest and his mom. Okay. And I believe they had a son. Now, pre- priests weren't supposed to have children, uh-huh. but I believe there was an illegal child or oh, a child. I never knew child. that. Yes. And... Um, he lived in that house. He lived in the attic. Okay. Do you remember the little bed that used to be up there? That little metal bed? Yeah. That was his. No way. That wasn't your parents? No. Oh. That bed was... That was there before your parents moved in? They bought the house with that bed in there. <gasps> That's fucking horrifying. <laughs> oh, my God. Just throw away the whole house. Ah, I never knew that. I remember that bed. So I don't think he was strapped to the bed. I just well, yeah, but like there. he was... Oh, my God. I never knew that. Are you kidding me? No, I'm, I'm totally serious. I remember that bed so vividly because I remember growing up, you know, going over grandma's all the time when you were at school and I would never want to go anywhere near upstairs, even like even upstairs where your bedroom was. Mm -hmm. And then uh, forget about the attic. I wanted no parts. I just always had the weirdest feeling like something was up there. It was. And I mean, like I was there since I was born, so it was never... I've had the I had these thoughts even before I was really introduced to the paranormal. So what are the odds that like I would feel that way before I knew what ghosts and spirits were and paranormal activity? So well, you were getting a little bit of the vibe. Yeah, a little bit of the vibe. But yes. Yeah, so from what I understand, that figure might have been Charles overlooking. Now it wasn't an evil spirit from what my mom and dad told me, and maybe it was just so this way I wouldn't be afraid. Um, mm-hmm. Was he was just looking over me. Okay. He was watching over me. So when we actually moved, when, you know, my parents left and we sold the house, I actually asked Charles to come along. Yeah. Do you remember that? A little bit. A little bit. Kind of. So I don't know whether he did or not. Yeah. But your dad actually felt in the new house 
a spirit. Uh, Dad was sleeping, and he was awoken by a spirit that actually was got up into his face and yelled, Get out! Oh, you're talking about the house you live in now. Right. Okay, the yeah. New, the new house? Yeah. So I don't know if that's Charles telling him, Get out, you don't belong here. <laughs> but, you know, it kind of is interesting, though, because I feel like it kind of brings it full circle to this was in your in your parents' house. Right. And then your new house was Grandpa's old house. That, oh, that's true. So maybe there was a connection to Grandpa in a way. Oh, maybe it maybe was. I, yeah. I never put that. Uh, uh, I mean, that's just a stretch. But, I mean, it's definitely something that could be discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, any other paranormal experiences that kind of made you a believer or... Well, you, you remember this one when we used to see the shadow figures? Yeah. And um, for those that have listened to us from the beginning, you guys... Um, have seen, have listened to my experience that my mom and I both, and I, I think you can agree, I never physically saw this thing, but in my in my mind, I was able to see the shadow figure. Like, it's not that I could physically see him in front of me, but I could picture him in front of me. Well, where did you actually picture him? Where were you? In the corner of my bedroom where there, like, you know, remember in the old house there was the... Um, the mirrored closet doors in the corner where I used to have that big white dresser. Oh, okay. Okay. I would see it, like when my bed was on the opposite wall, I would see it kind of standing over, like in front of the closet. I mean, in front of the closet and the drawers. Right. I used to see it in your doorway. Yeah. And then I also saw it once in the yard. In the yard? In the yard. And I was led to believe that you see shadow figures when you're under a lot of stress. Uh Uh-huh. So I remember at the time when we saw it, you know, we were having, you know, I mean, you know, my mom and dad, they weren't well. So maybe stress brought that on and uh, you're able to see these, you know, figures a little bit more. But I also believe that one shadow figure was the same figure I saw uh, one night. I was laying in bed and I thought you got up to go to the bathroom. And I remember looking in the hall and I saw a figure going into the bathroom and the door closed. Mm-hmm. So I'm laying there waiting, waiting, waiting for you. This to is when out. I would sleep in your bed and stuff like that? The, no, you were in your own room. Oh, okay. This, you saw me. No, okay. and again, you had to be in elementary school, mm-hmm. okay? And, um, you know, maybe fourth or fifth grade. And so I'm waiting for you to get out of the bathroom and you're not getting out. So I sort of kind of yelled to you, like, Rebecca, are you, are you okay? You didn't answer. So I got concerned and I got up. The door was closed. To the bathroom? To the bathroom. But you weren't in there. You were laying in your bed. Was I passed out? You were sleeping. You yeah. never got up to go to the bathroom. So I don't know what I yeah. saw going into that bathroom. And Did it look like the same height as me? Or like you didn't even think of the depth of... Well, I was laying down. I mean, yeah. you just... Uh, who, uh, you don't think Did you of, see it coming out of my room? I saw it coming out of your room. Oh, that's fucking Because that outside, that's why I thought you went to the bathroom. Yeah. And you're taking so long. So I says, well, what's taking her so long? Is she not feeling well? Let me go take a look what's yeah. what. You were in bed. You were sleeping. But the door of the bathroom was closed. So. Uh, oh, God. Throw away the whole house, man. <laughs> and it, it interests me, though, thinking now that the people that bought our old house... They pretty much, I don't think they tore down the house, but they built it off the foundation and built around it. Right. I wonder if that kind of sparked any sort of paranormal activity. We should maybe try to reach out to them. Yeah, I mean, we still, we still have their numbers and stuff, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah, so um, 
So, of course, this is a paranormal podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about haunted caves and haunted mines. Now, Mom, do you want to explain what the difference between a mine and a cave is? Because I certainly don't know the difference. Okay, well, the difference between a cave and a mine is a cave is naturally made mm-hmm. and a mine is man-made. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I would have never. I, they just seem like holes in the earth. So I don't know, like I, <laughs> yeah, they, they are, but that's the difference. A cave is natural, mm-hmm. and a mine is man-made. Okay. So you guys may be asking, all right, why are you asking your mom this question? Why would she know any of this? Why are you having this random topic of haunted mines and haunted caves for today's episode? Well, for your information, my mom is a tour guide at a very haunted mine in New Jersey, the Sterling Hill. Yes, line. yes. So if you want to stalk my mom, you can go there, and she can be your tour guide. Um, yeah, you're there on Sundays. So if you want, you know, put a good in, uh, review on Yelp for Debbie. Give a uh, shout out, Ogdensburg, New Jersey. Yes, and uh, yeah. So what? I mean, we went to this museum before. Uh, I mean, when you were in college, and we went right. for a project of yours, why would you, why did we even go there before you worked right. there? Well, well, I was taking a geology class, okay. and in order to get an A, they said, go visit the mine, oh. bring back a ticket, and you'll have an automatic A. Why not? So we packed up, you know, you, you, dad, we took a ride there. I, I think about in high school all the time when teachers would be like, you have to, you you know, you can't act this way once you go to college because college professors are so much more strict. And I remember going to college and I'd get an email from the professor saying, I feel like shit today. No class today. See you next week. Like the, the college professors are so much more lax than what high school teachers act like. So that's funny that you said, yeah, in order to get an A, I just had to go on this road trip, field trip thing. Um, So then years down the line, you ended up working there, becoming a tour guide. Um, What is like one of the coolest facts about the mine? doesn't have to be haunted related, just that you talk about on your tour. What's one of the coolest things that you feature? Oh, the coolest things. Oh, I, there's a lot of cool things. I mean, it's a fluorescent. It's the fluorescent capital of the world. Is it? Oh, okay. It is. 357 different types of minerals mm-hmm. have been found in those deposits there in Ogdensburg, as well as our sister mine in Franklin. And out of those 357, 28 of them are f- found nowhere else on Earth. Wow. Out of those 357, 88 of them fluoresce, which makes our mine... Um, like I said, the fluorescent capital. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really cool. So we'll get back to you on all of the Sterling Hill mine stuff just because like, there's a lot of information to unpack, especially when it comes to the paranormal there. Mm. But um, I know you wanted me to go first, kind of get everything started. Break the ice. So, yeah. So don't be nervous. Everyone that listens to this is really nice. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to start with the Grand Canyon Cavern. Uh, so it's no secret that the Grand Canyon's nooks and crannies have been long subjects of haunting rumors. So the fact they put a hotel amongst this massive piece of definitely haunted earth is crazy. Ooh. Yeah, so um, the Grand Canyon Caverns are about a two-hour drive from the south room of Grand Canyon National Park, which makes it a perfect resting spot between there and Las Vegas. It's off of Route 66, the famous Route 66, mm-hmm. and... The inside and outside are exactly what you'd expect a roadside six, a Route 66 stop off to look like. So um, if you're just randomly taking a road trip, definitely check out the Grand Canyon Caverns if you're on your way to Vegas. Apparently, there's just amazing reviews. You see it on TripAdvisor, Yelp, all that stuff. You need to go. Yeah, right? 
So while there's evidence these caverns may have been discovered by members of the, uh, it's called the Hualapai tribe. I'm so sorry if I butchered that. Hualapai tribe a decade earlier. The official discovery is credited to Walter Peck in 1927. And obviously Peck wasn't the first one to stumble upon the cave system because he found the remains of two brothers from the Hualapai tribe um, who fell to the flu. So both brothers and even Peck himself are amongst the ghostly apparition visitors that are claimed to be seen at the cave hotel. And another source of paranormal activity in the cavern hotel is a former manager, Gary Ringsby, who took his life in what's known as the bunkhouse back in the 1970s. So he is known to be roaming around there as well in the cottage. Mm. So those brave enough to sleep in the hotel suites have reported the distant sound of Native American chanting, shadowy figures dancing along the rocks. Others claim to include whispering sounds, the elevator door opening and closing without cause, and the image of a person dangling from the top of the cavern. Um, So yeah, those are just a few just general things that have happened to not only one person, but several people. So they kind of put them in one little statement there. But upon doing my research, I discovered that the OC Ghosts and Legends, they're an investigative ghost crew, you can check them out on YouTube, investigated there. And I actually found a clip of theirs that they caught while investigating in the kitchen. And it's important to note that there were three investigators in the distance of this recording, um, which is why you only hear them faintly. But then listen to what comes next. So this is like 45, uh, 43 seconds in. So let me just copy and paste this here. Hopefully you guys can hear this. I'm going to put it up a little bit. And then, Mom, you can listen to it, obviously, as well. Okay. 43. Okay, so you're going to hear a few of them talking in the background, preparing to vacate the building to allow for their equipment to catch anything without any noise contamination. So it's like, what is that? Yeah, so you're going to listen again. So they, they, they think the guy's saying, don't mention it. Oh. So, yeah. And then... Um, sounds like someone just running through the definitely, restaurant. Definitely running. Yeah, so... But no one's there. No, they all left because they purposely did not want contamination of uh, noises or anything from them. So uh, a lot of people thought this was fabricated audio, but... These people have absolutely nothing to gain from this. Um, nobody in the group would ever run like that during the investigation under any circumstances. Um, and not to mention the recorder that captured this was on further end of the restaurant, away from where they were standing. So whatever or whoever was running appears to be nearest to the recorder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd... Yeah, so... That's just one physical piece of evidence that I could find online. And then also Ghost Adventures, you know, the one with Zach Bagans, the ones we were watching yesterday. They did an investigation interviewing the Hualapai Indians uh, since two of them were found dead and bones. So those two that I was talking about earlier Mm -hmm. that were found by Peck, when they were found, their bones were put on display and labeled originally as cavemen which obviously is a big no-no for the group of Indians that were probably already, their property was already taken over by 
the, by the you know the Europeans and stuff like that. So and then on top of that, yeah, I mean, you never want to go over an Indian burial site of any sort. And the fact they put their bones out on display like that and, and then label them pavement, yeah. yeah. So, um, mm. yeah. I'll be pissed. Yeah, so the Ghost Adventures, they interviewed a few people from from that group, and they said that that was just a big no-no and that that type of disrespect to someone's body can result in sickness. And the investigators had felt, while in the on the property, they felt strong, uneasy energy, experienced some scratching, and Zach himself experienced a cold pressure on his left side and saw a white ball of light in front of him. Uh, which would equate to orbs, which I know you're going to be talking about a little bit in your orbs, research. You yeah, so if you want to watch this episode, it's about 45 minutes long. It's season 11, episode 7. Um, another experience was that of John Riffle and his wife, who stayed at the Grand Canyon Suite, which normally at the time was $600 a night to stay, but they ended up bartering with the hotel in exchange for old license plates since they owned an old, they owned a pawn shop and they didn't have the cash on them. So they're like, well, we'll give you this, which equates to $600. <laughs> yeah. $600 for a license plate? Yeah, I guess there was like a whole bunch of vintage license plate that like ended up being worth $600, but it wasn't getting sold, and maybe it's actually not worth $600. Okay, give me the cash. Right? So, um, so Riffle actually ended up having an article written about his experience, which he said was an amazing experience, um, and he said, unlike anywhere we've ever stayed. So to give you more of an idea of the cavern suite, it's assembled atop a wooden platform in the middle of the cave, in the cave's largest room, where tour groups pass by every 30 minutes during the day. And the windowless room, this is a windowless room, just saying, uh, where the air is deathly still, may be Arizona's most unusual place to spend the night. I don't know if I'd like to, like, I feel like I'm in an enclosed box. I don't know if like I'd like coffee. to stay there. Yeah, so it comes with two queen beds, a coffee maker, and a 70-foot-high vaulted cavern ceiling, as well as access to the looping mile-long trail through Grand Cavern Canyons, uh, Canyon Caverns. Sorry. Once the last tour is gone, usually around 6.30 p.m., guests have the cave to themselves to do whatever they like, as long as they stick to the concrete path. <laughs> Off-roading is strictly prohibited given the drop-off scattered about. So we should probably listen to what they say, do's and don'ts. So now this $800 per night rate also includes a suite attendant stationed topside throughout the night should guests need anything. Sleeping on a rollout bed not far from the elevator, the attendant can arrange and deliver meals. And when guests check out, double as the maid. Wait a minute. The bed is close to the elevator? Um... The, the the attendant sleeps on a roll up bed. Oh, the attendant. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not okay. paying eight hundred dollars to be. Awesome. Yeah, like, fucking stupid. I'm not paying eight hundred dollars to be on a roll up bed. I could just go to a college or something well, and sleep. Six hundred dollars license plate. The license plate better have been attached to the car. Seriously, right? Okay. So the room is booked about a third of the year, as mostly for special occasions, says lead tour guide Levi Goldsmith. But um, and each stay begins with, of course, a tour and all the amenities that come with the living underground. The greatest might be the solitude of it. They people say that this experience is the closest you're gonna get to ever feeling like the only person on Earth, just because like just how everything just feels like you're by yourself. Everything is. See now I'm thinking oh it's the only ex- <laughs> it's the only experience you're ever gonna get. To feeling like you're dead. That's very true. And close to death. I mean, you're just by yourself, right? This is what it's like to be 
then you're scratching. Oh, God, that's horrifying. <laughs> but attendants never intrude until checkout time. So once the last tour departs, guests are truly alone. There are no cameras, no intercoms, and the only phone bays with a rotary dial. I actually know what a rotary <laughs> dial is. Now that's how it? I do. I used to use the great grandma's. Remember? She oh, had a little, yeah. Sweet. Hasn't worked for months. So the only connection with the top side is via that elevator. So you mm. need to make sure your attendant is on point and listening to you at all times. <laughs> the secluded nature of the cavern may bring out um, an, um, like, um, how can I explain it? Just like this like weird nature to it. I don't know. But once tourists stop for the day and the elevator door slides shut, those staying in the suite are not only living things, uh, are the only living things for at least 200 feet. That includes the bobcat and the giant ground sloth. The former is mummified and the latter is a life-size model of an animal extinct 11,000 years ago. So that's the closest thing to being alive are mummified animals that became extinct years ago. So um, guests are encouraged to explore with supplied flashlights, and attendants have few doubts couples have taken the term explore to its limits. (laughs) So as general manager Jenna Jones says, there's been lots of baby making down there over over the years. You think every inch of the cave has at one time, you know, dot, dot, dot. Yes, she says, twice. (laughs) Flashlight or a I get, black light? Or I go, God, light. oh God, flashlight. Sorry. I know, oh my God. That's, yeah, you definitely don't want to put a black light. <laughs> so completely so, white. You see it worms. That's going to be a different type of worms. Worm. Oh God. So, um, when Peck first discovered the cavern, it immediately became a tourist attraction where the owner charged visitors 25 cents per person to be lowered via rope around the waist so they could see the big hole that he discovered. Uh, patrons needed to bring their own light sources, though. Yeah. And they would call this experience dope on a rope. <laughs> dope on a rope. Because <laughs> it's like, who the fuck wants to do this? This looks so unsafe. Just be a rope around your waist to go see a big fucking hole. <laughs> But times have changed since then, and now there's a 210-foot elevator that brings you down and lots of good lighting. But now the price is also $20 nowadays, so instead of a quarter. It's better than 600 Yeah, and uh, those who dare can book the, the cave suite to spend the night with the subterranean specters. Those who want to dare. No, I don't want to. No, you wouldn't? No. Who wants to go down? Live, okay, but what if... in a hole? Are for you free? Why would, would I want a vacation in a hole? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to say you vacationed in a hole. Why wouldn't you want to vacation? I mean, it's a Did like you ever a YOLO fall into moment. A hole? It's not. I fun. actually, I actually never have. I <laughs> honestly can say I've never fallen into well, a not hole. A deep, deep hole. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so I want to show you. I'm going to put this on the Instagram page at Just Goalie Things Podcast. This is the luxury suite. So I've shown you the images uh, at the Grand Canyon Cavern Suite. So with that being said, again, I'm going to put this on our Instagram page. You guys can check it out for yourselves. Tell us, would you spend $800 a night to stay here? Or would you stay there even if it was for free? Let us know. All right. So, Mom, take it away with your job. Ah, my job. my One of my jobs, right? One of my main yes. jobs. Um, all right. So at, you know, so at the mine, um, we did talk about it is haunted. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what's the name of your mine again? Uh, the Sterling Hill Mining Museum in Ogdensburg, New Jersey. Okay. Yep, it's been an active mine for over 136 years. Cool. It closed in 1986 because there was tax issues and the decrease in zinc prices, but the spirits still remain. 
All right, let's okay. hear about those spirits. So I did have my own experience there once. Um, other, I know other you know, people that I work with there, they have experienced other things like they're pushed around mm-hmm. and no one is there. And, um, you know, we do have cameras, you know, in the mine there. So we can look at the cameras and check, say, who, you know, who pushed me. And the camera does, you know, the video does show that person, that tour guide being pushed and turning around and nobody is there. Uh, so I was always hoping for that experience. Do okay. you, but like, has anyone ever said, oh, this feels malicious or this is a bad spirit or? Um, re- well, recently we do have paranormal groups going through there. Mm-hmm. And um, there is one person, you know, he, you know, he does work in the mine and he was following around and he actually was feeling as if he was getting a lot of pressure in his chest. Okay. So he had to leave. So that's, you know, he, he didn't feel well. So whether or not that was malicious. Okay. You know, but he, he didn't feel good about that. Okay. Now, you know, we also have to remember that um, all of these miners that used to work there, now there was no deaths documented until 1916 here at the mine. Really? Okay, yeah, because, um, yeah, the document, you know, they started documenting things like early, maybe 1897 okay. to maybe 1986. So this was just closed. still new and... So, like, so earlier on, so hundreds, I'm sure there were hundreds of undocumented uh, mining-related deaths wow. that, that occurred there. And, you know, I mean, people, um, you know, maybe, you know, with the methane gas, you know, back in the day... They could have, you know, suffocated that way. You know, they could have, um, with the explosions and uh, cave-ins and, you know, rocks falling on their head, you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, people were, you know, killed there. Now, if they were able to recover the body, okay, they recovered the body, took them, buried them, did whatever, you know, you had to do. But sometimes you can't recover a body. Now, why is that? Well, if there's a cave-in and all that, thousands and thousands of pounds of rock are on top mm. of you. How are you going to... And gonna especially really back, you know, early... I mean, even back in the 1600s. So do you think started. when you're touring, you're touring through hallways that may have in them the bodies of these spirits? Or, like, where there's caved in, it's, like, blocked off? Well, where, well, where we take you for the tour, that's not actually... That is just the newer section. Now, there's 35 okay. miles worth of tunnel. In that mile. Yeah, but you don't tour, obviously, the 35 miles. Right. I mean, it goes down over a half a mile, over 2,000 feet. Have you been to the parts where they aren't? They don't allow tours? or You can't because mm. there's 25 levels. Okay. Like I said, it wow. goes over like two Empire State buildings deep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And that's all flooded. Mm-hmm. So unless you have scuba gear, you're not going down there. Okay. But... Um, the one level that we do go on does have a lot of activity in it as well as a lot of the buildings around on the property. Okay. Now, some of the buildings around on the property, um, they've seen shadow figures in there. They've seen um, faces of um, more particular, you know, there's a lady in a white dress that okay. shows up in the one office every so Of course, so often. there's always a lady in the white always dress. A lady in the, exactly. Now, um, I know that... Uh, I mean, I can honestly say there's a, there was at least 77 deaths recorded. Wow. Okay, since the early, you know, 20th century. So, you know, only 77. But who knows? But still like 77. Said, 77, right. And that's all like mining-related accidents and stuff. But who knows, back in the day, before they actually yeah. had, 
you know, safety procedures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. God only knows how many people and yeah. how many, you know, bodies were never recovered. Yeah. You know? So, so circling um, back to what you were saying about um, closing up the mine and stuff, every shift, right. that, yeah. Oh, right. So, you know, so yeah, at the end of the day, we have to, you know, go through and lock up and shut off the lights for everything. And there was one night that I was going through, and I usually go, you know, do it on my own. Um, I know a lot of uh, the younger <laughs> younger kids <laughs> that do it, they refuse to. Like, fuck know, that. I don't get paid uh, enough for that. No, 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 no. I remember, you know, one girl, one tour guide, she actually called me from down in the one museum. She said, Debbie, please come down. I'm hearing things. <laughs> oh. please, I can't go any further. Come oh. with me. I said, okay, you know, we'll go, we'll go do it. Um but yeah, so I was coming up the one tunnel, the one Landmesser tunnel, one uh, one night, and I'm turning the lights off. And just as I round the one corner, at the corner of my eye, I saw it looked like a big water blob with white and blue plaid. Now I don't want to say plaid because oh, of uh, it looked. Uh, you, you said a water blob. It looked like a big water blob that looked. It just looked like a. Think of a giant water droplet. Hmm. But it had clothes or it resembled? It didn't it didn't resemble a human figure and I pause to say plaid only because I don't want anyone thinking all oh, the plaid shirts that the miners worked, but I mean it was checkered. It was mm. white and blue. And it was just moving in a watery, fluidy type hmm. of movement. Interesting. So of course as as I turn you know, as I turn that, you know, one tunnel, I looked and I stopped and I just got startled. I was like, oh! Yeah. And then it disappeared. And I was like, okay, hold yourself together here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And um, then I just started talking out loud. I was like, okay, if someone's here, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm just talking to myself, going through. And then I, you know, did my thing, came back, went, mm-hmm. went into the office and I made them aware. And I says, all right, look, I definitely saw something. Yeah. Okay. Check the, you know, check the recordings and stuff and just see if we could see anything now. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, we, we checked it out and there was nothing there. However, they did see me coming through and get startled and jump. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so then I started telling that story on my tours because a lot of people say, oh, you know, did you ever see ghosts? Did you ever see this mm-hmm. and that? And I said, well, my one experience. And I would tell them when I got to that one spot in the mine. Now, what was weird was when I started telling that story, I have a light that usually goes on my helmet. Yeah. And I don't keep it on my helmet because it's too heavy. I always just walk around with it. Okay. Well, when I began to tell this story, the light didn't work. Now, my light is always fully charged. These lights last for days. Oh, yeah. Days and days and days without a charge. And mine's always on a full charge anyway. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't work. I said, how weird is this? Yeah. Now I'm thinking... Maybe I'm pissing them off because I'm telling the stories yeah. of what I saw. Maybe they don't want me to tell the story. But I went through, we got back to the office, and my light worked. Weird. Very weird. Weird. That happened to me twice. Yeah? It happened twice. Now I don't tell the story anymore in, in that one spot anymore because perhaps they don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Now don't forget, too, it was... Um, bad luck for women to be in a mine. Was it, no, really? No women ever worked there. Why? The, the superstition was, or the rumor was, that if a woman entered a mine, they would lose a miner. Now, of course, that's not so now. Yeah. But perhaps because I'm a woman... Maybe they're like, get out! The sto- 
right? Well, the paranormal group that goes through there, um, there was a couple of women that were in that group, and they literally, some of the spirits they picked up on their EVP mm-hmm. things, called them fat. <gasps> yeah. Told them, you shouldn't be here. Wow. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, so maybe Misogyny that isn't really dead. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe that was just their way of, so unless somebody asks me that's on my tour, you know, have you ever had an ex- any experiences? I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell them, but I don't make that now a regular part okay. of my spiel going through. Because but if people take your tour and say it's one of our boothangs that want to take your tour, oh, ask me about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'll I'll tell them outside yeah. of the mine. <laughs> as soon as you as soon as you exit the mine or before you enter the mine. Oh, uh, you know what? Yeah, we'll we'll be brave and I'll, yeah. I'll show them the actuals. It, it's fine. And um, but what else do you have to tell us about the Sterling Mine? Um. Also, uh, Bicycle Pete. Did I ever tell you that story about Bicycle Pete? Sounds familiar, but you could definitely retell it. Yeah, Bicycle Pete. Um, there's a story about a miner that, you know, he used to work there, he used to ride his bicycle to work mm-hmm. every day until um, one day he disappeared. It was rumored that he actually fell down one of the shafts and <gasps> was never recovered um, because his bicycle still remains outside of the mine. So that's the original that, bicycle. That's, from what I understand, that is his original bicycle. And only certain times a year, like on Halloween, mm-hmm. okay, certain times, and it might even be the day that he disappeared, okay, they sometimes see his, you know, his form. Wow. Okay, in the, in the pits in the back, walking through the mine. Hmm. Okay. It's like maybe like when you see him in certain spots, maybe he's trying to guide somebody to where his body is. That is true. Ooh. Eerie. That is true. Trying to just kind of plant little breadcrumbs. Oh, absolutely. Maybe we should follow him. Right? Yeah. Well, that's a that's a you thing for now until oh, yeah. I come oh, Or if you guys go on the tour, you know. Oh, maybe you can keep an eye out for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but then also I know we wanted to talk about orbs mm-hmm. because there are orbs that are seen in the mine. And do you want okay. to explain a little bit of what orbs are? Orbs are just little balls of light that sometimes appear around, um, uh, you know, different people. It has to do with their aura. Mm-hmm. The little balls of light, they can, um, uh, they're thought to be angels or, or um, uh, protective spirits mm-hmm. and guides. I know when we went to Salem and we were taking pictures, we caught a bunch of bunch orbs. Bunch of them, yeah. Sometimes people, you know, they you know say, oh, it could just could be dust or a little raindrop or something. And yes, but there have been experts that have debunked what the differentiations there uh, are to look into these definitely, certain pictures. Yeah, there definitely is. There is definitely a difference, and um, also uh, the different colors. There's different color orbs. There's different colored orbs. Oh. Yeah. Um, White ones, red ones, black ones, each, you know, each one. Have I'd they say, said that there's like a difference between them if you see a certain colored orb yeah, or is it? Yeah, they say that the white or silvery ones, that's the positive energy ones. Okay. Okay, they say, um, you know, those are the less scary of okay. the ones that you see. Perhaps um, they may be people that are stuck here. Maybe, maybe not on purpose. Maybe they want to be here. Yeah. Or, you know, or maybe they're just stuck here, period, because they don't know how to get out of this world. Okay. Okay, so they're just stuck on this plane. Um, you see uh, red and orange orbs. 
Okay, those different color orbs, those are the warm ones, and they say that those colored ones are the protective spirits. Oh, okay. Um, Never knew that. Yeah, they um, they give off the energy of perhaps someone that was a, a caretaker, um, a protector of sorts. Um, you know, someone that's, you know, was maybe they watched over you in life, like your mom or a teacher or a nurse or something. Okay. So if you see the colored, the red or orange orbs, that may represent someone that's looking over you. Okay. You know. Guardian angel, maybe? Perhaps. Absolutely. Um, what other colors are there? Black, the blue ones, uh, dark blue, you know, like with the dark hues, the brown ones. Uh, they, you know, they have the reputation of being negative. They're okay. the angry. Yeah, they're the angry spirits. Um, but in reality, those spirits, you know, they negative. They they have those heavy emotions attached to them. So perhaps okay. there was something going on in their life that they unfinished weren't happy. business. Perhaps maybe that's some of the orbs that you see in the mind too. I mean. They died accidentally. Mm-hmm. They're angry about that. They yeah. cut their life short. They're angry about that. So, Definitely. You know, those are the ones, you know, you might see over there. Um, the nature ones are usually the green ones. Okay. What's um, that mean? That's um, green is, well, green grass. The You know, the color green is always associated with nature. Yeah. Maybe that's why I like green so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Know, everything nature. Um, that represents, you know, your oneness with the earth and your heart. Okay, it's associated with, you know, your body, this, your soul, and like I said, the earth. So the green ones, um, even though, like I'm, say, I'm saying, the earth, these green ones might also indicate that they're spirits that have never lived here on earth, like, unfortunately, like deceased babies like okay. infants and stuff. Okay. So, you know, you have those. Yeah, and I mean, orbs don't necessarily always mean that there's like a person attached to it. It's an energy. We all are, we right. all are... Ball, we all are energy at the end of the day oh, is absolutely. what we are. So mm-hmm. um, like that's what our spirit is. So, And I find it interesting, though, that you say all these different orbs and stuff like that have been seen mm-hmm. um, at the mine. And it, make, it reminds me that a lot of research that has been put into the paranormal, they say that um, energies are usually found near water sources, which, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mine is flooded out up right. to two Empire State Buildings worth, right? Definitely. And um, if I'm not mistaken, the one time you've done a uh, tour, you were talking, when I went on it, did you say that there's limestone? Uh, yes, there's, there's granite, there's limestone. And limestone is known to also be a catalyst for energy. The attraction. Oh, yeah. okay. That, so, that, so that, yeah, definitely, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Now, I know a lot of times, too, when you're taking you know, a shower, I don't know if you ever get different visions or different thoughts that... I have my deepest you know, thoughts in the shower. Is it? <laughs> so, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, sometimes I know when I need an answer to it, I'm thinking to myself, oh, please, I'll, you know, be praying to my mom or my dad or somebody, and all of a sudden a thought will come into my head and think, well, do this, do that. And it's usually when you're in the shower, again, maybe the energy like you're saying. Wow, you know, I for, never put two and two together. That's an water. awesome insight, oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's definitely. All right, guys, if you haven't done that, if you haven't had your deepest thoughts in the shower, you should <laughs> Get in the shower after you finish this episode and get to thinking, because that's how you're going to get the closest to spirits. Get to thinking in the shower. <laughs> just sit there, sit in your shower naked and just think, reflect, listen to some of your favorite music and just talk to the spirits. So um, any other information you want to give us? Well, how about the blue? We can't forget blue. 
Oh, yes. Okay. okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No, the blue ones are the calming ones. They're okay. the healing ones. Um, they often indicate like a presence of a calming, healing energy spirit. Okay. Um, they usually represent some kind of truth that's around you. So if you're looking for answers, such as, and so instead of jumping in the shower, mm-hmm. okay, um, just look to the blue orbs. If you see a blue orbs, think about something, maybe perhaps it'll uh, seek out, you know, an answer for you. Hmm. Um, you know, and also these are the ones that, you know, if you're trying to contact a specific spirit, you know, from the afterlife, those are the ones that perhaps, you know, you can look towards. Um, now, orbs, usually you see them at night. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, otherwise, if you see something during the day, I think it's just floater. Floaters in your eyes. Floaters. Go see your eye doctor. Do you, do you ever notice when you have a floater and like you try to have it get to the center of your eye and you can never do it? The little bastard just always goes to the edge of your eye. Well, sometimes I get the floater and I think, you know, I look at the corner, I think I there's a squirrel or something. And sometimes oh, it startles me and I get scared. <laughs> Oh, no, it's just a floater. It's not a squirrel. It's not a squirrel. (laughs) But at your house, there wouldn't be a doubt that there could possibly be a squirrel that enters. There there could have been a squirrel in the kitchen. I wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Exactly. Um, And also, you know, orbs, you know, usually they're seen around areas where um, there's some paranormal phenomena happening. Um, Like ghost orbs, you know, you're going to see them, like you're saying, in the graveyards, churches, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's activity where you're having seances or any clairvoyant work, okay? That's usually where their yeah. orbs are going to be congregating, okay? Or even, like like we're saying, in the mind, when, you know, places where many deaths have occurred, mm-hmm. okay? Now, I know when I was um, doing some research about this, um, Gettysburg on that battlefield. Oh, yeah. People see a lot of, you know, they Hell take yeah. pictures and they see that, you know, and, and around people, you know, you have the good energy, you know, who knows, maybe grandma, grandpa, you know, you'll have their orbs, you know, mm-hmm. floating around, you know, your head is, you know, as well. Awesome. So, uh, is that all you have? Um, uh, that, I think that's all. That, I mean, that was a lot more than I expected stuff. you to have. Oh, so really? kudos to you, Mom. Oh, yeah. Gee, thanks. This is, you're doing great for your first time. I'm impressed. Aww, I am well, very impressed. Well, you're easy to work with. Oh, thank Don't you. Be a big head. I know. I will try not to. Okay. So my next story, I have a couple, but this is the last big, big story that I have to mm-hmm. tell. This is of the Hellfire Caves. So also known as the West Wycombe Caves, England's Hellfire Caves form a network of chalk and flint caverns extending a quarter of a mile underground. The caves were excavated by Francis Dashwood in the mid-1700s, and Dashwood was also the co-founder of the Hellfire Club, which was a secret society said to held meetings in the caverns. Um, but these the secret society and these secret meetings were not just a typical booster club sort of thing. It's, according to Horace Walpole, the members' practice was rigor- rigorously, rigorously pagan. Um, Bacchus and Venus were the deities to whom they almost publicly sacrificed, and the nymphs and the hogsheads that were laid in against the festivals of this new church sufficiently informed the neighborhood of the complexion of those hermits. Dashwood's garden at West Wycombe contained numerous statues and shrines of different gods, Daphne and Flora, Priapus, and the previously mentioned Venus and Dionysus. 
Uh, meetings occurred twice a month, with an AGM lasting a week or more in June or September. Many rumors of black magic, satanic rituals, and orgies were in circulation during the life of the club, and Dashwood's club meetings often included mock rituals, pornographic materials, much drinking, wenching, and banqueting. That's what I mean of, like, this wasn't, like, a typical society club. It's, there's a lot of weird, dark shit going on. And the early 1760s saw the downfall of Dashwood's exclusive called, uh, club called the Hellfire Club um, and was dissolved by 1766. Now, during the Second World War, plans were made to use the caves as a large air raid shelter if nearby towns were bombed. But Buckinghamshire's rural position meant that High Wycombe and surrounding towns were not an enemy target, so those plans were never carried out. Um, members were all politically and socially influential throughout the 18th century. The group's reputation steeped in tales of dark rituals, debauchery, devil worship, like I said. Um, and some of the ghosts included to be lingering on the property include, random, Benjamin Franklin, who was a visitor, a regular visitor to the caves in the 1750s, mm-hmm. and he's said to haunt the many corridors along with Paul Whitehead, who was once a steward of the Hellfire Club and a friend of Sir Francis uh, Dashwood. White, uh, Whitehead requested in his will that his heart be placed in an urn and kept in the mausoleum at West, at West Wycombe, but it was allegedly stolen by an American soldier, and legend has it that his ghost now haunts the caves and the hill above in an endless search for his, uh, for his heart. And then there's also another legend at this cave of the tale of Suki, who is a young local girl tricked into a meeting by the man she intended to marry that ended in her death at the hands of several men. Her ghost is said to have been seen many times in the banqueting hall where she met her fate, and one guest captured the figure of a woman in white matching Suki's description in one of the many alcoves. Wow. Yeah, so there's a couple couple of spirits that people point out that they can identify to a certain extent. Did they see Ben Franklin there? Uh, they said, I mean, they said so. They identified him as being someone that has haunted the corridors there, which I think is really random, but live your I'm truth. I'm disappointed in him now. <laughs> that wild man. Wild man. You never all know. All that what weird th- stuff that went on. Ben Franklin, yeah. Yeah, no, there were, all those middle-aged white guys were freaks back then. <laughs> they had nothing else to do. So um, Ghost Adventures had also investigated here, and this is a famous episode because this is an episode where Aaron had his breakdown in the Hellfire Caves. So after doing... So um, I never saw this episode, or if I had, it's been a while ago, so I don't remember it. So I did some research, and... um, Aaron actually wrote in his blog that he has online saying, after doing a ritual with Lady Snake, um, he began to feel a mix of emotions. And he writes, quote, that moment when my ear was grabbed, a thousand thoughts flashed through my mind. After like five seconds, I got back to myself and ran out. As I stood there, all these emotions ran through me and I started to cry. All I could think was that it's too late. It doesn't matter anymore. And I'm fucked. But after 10, about... Ten minutes after of getting myself together again, all I could feel was that deep down, I knew that the devil had touched me. I didn't want to say it out loud because I would have sounded stupid, but after a bit, I did. Let's just say that hearing it from the same banshee voice I'd been hearing all week say, Satan, just proved me right. Knowing that made my heart drop, he swear. So, in short, Aaron swears that he encountered Satan in those in that cave. Wow. And he swears by it. Um... So <laughs> those caves can be toured for anyone looking to capture evidence of their own. So if you want to speak to Satan, that's probably the place you want to go. 
And for $600 and a license plate? <laughs> and for $600 and a license plate, you can get possessed by a demon. Right. Yeah, there you go. By Ben Franklin. <laughs> by, ben, by Ben Franklin. Oh, my God. Freak. <laughs> right? I don't know what he's doing with that kite. Um, <laughs> or that key. <laughs> that key. Oh, God. I don't want to know where he placed that key. Some hidden treasures. Oh, hmm. What is that thing you're... Uh, <laughs> Wait, what are you thinking? <laughs> what is the thing, the... Um, oh, my God. Are you talking uh, about the underwear thing? Yeah, when you... The, ah, what shit. What is that called? <laughs> oh, my God. What is that called? The uh, chastity belt. Chastity belt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He's got the key. Oh, these kinky fuckers. Freak. Okay. So, um, actually, wait, real quick. Um, I know we talked about, before I go into my next one, we talked about for Sterling Mine, circling back there, uh, tours. Just so if people are interested in going on a tour and they can't come during the time you do the tours, which is on Sundays, when could people go to the the mine and what time are the tours and stuff usually? Just real quick. Um, you know what? It changes by season. They usually give, you know, one tour a day, usually on the weekends and stuff. I look in their look in their website. And what's their um, website? Just look up. <laughs> just, you know what? Google Sterling Hill Mining Museum and, you know, just look it up. Sterling know. Hill Mine Museum, New Jersey. New Jersey, Ogdensburg, New Jersey. Yeah. Sorry, this, that reminded me when it said tour. Okay. Oh, thanks. So the next one I'm going to be talking about is called the Mammoth Cavern. So horror Arthur, horror Arthur, horror author H.P. Lovecraft's story, The Beast in the Cave, was inspired by this famous creepy Kentucky cave system. And the Mammoth ca- Cave is a massive, is as massive as its namesake. In fact, it may very well be the largest haunted cave in the United States, with about 400 miles of explored area. And much of the cave's expanse remains unseen, however, and evidence suggests prehistoric people began mining in the cave as far back as 4,000 years ago and eventually used it to bury the dead. This went on for 2,000 years before they abruptly abandoned the cave. Whatever caused them to flee remains unknown, but it might have something to do with the plethora of ghost sightings that have occurred over subsequent years. And after the War of 1812, the caves were sold off to a mine saw Peter, and enslaved people were sent there to work and die in those caves. Apparitions and deceased enslaved people are often reported there. And in 1839, a cave section was converted into a makeshift tuberculosis village by a doctor who believed that the purity of the cave's air would fight infection and purify patients' lungs. Which wasn't actually a crazy thought. I was when I read that, I was like, "Oh, that's actually kind of smart." Either that, or just keeping them all quarantined until they all die down there. I, that, yeah, I mean that that's kind of what happened at one point, I guess. Many perished inside Mammoth. However, they're still believed to haunt it to this very day. Um, but this was during the time that they clearly didn't have a cure for tuberculosis, and they were just trying to figure out the source of it and how they could cure it. Fucked up. Stick them underground. Stick them underground and leave them there. Yeah, those must be really happy spirits. I'd love to hear you say that. Um, so um, one of the ghosts that supposedly haunt Mammoth Cave is the ghost of Floyd Collins. Now, this is a really sad story, so grab your tissues because you're a very emotional person. Um, maybe you won't cry this, whatever. So during the early 1920s, most of the caves were privately owned, and more and more people were flocking to the area to vacation. So many entrances to the cave system had either been discovered or made that dozens of caves were now competing for tourist dollars. And a man named Floyd Collins owned a section called Crystal Cave, but was losing out in what has now become known as the Kentucky Cave Wars. His cave was hard to get to and lacked lodging, so he was ended up losing a lot of money. And Collins began excavating an entrance to Sand Cave, which he hoped would steal visitors from the then-privately owned Mammoth Cave. And while excavating, an enormous boulder shifted, pinning him by the leg. He 
was found a day later and what followed was one of the nation's first and most morbid media frenzies. Radio and newspapers carried regular updates on Collins' predicament, and soon gawkers and well-wishers from all over were flocking to central Kentucky to follow the drama. This is like, this is such a crazy thing for them back in the early 1920s, but that's just every day now on the media. It's crazy. So it was so it was such a media frenzy that hamburger and hot dog stands popped up and souvenirs were sold about this guy. Because he got his legs stuck. Yeah, and like, and, and because of this huge, enormous boulder, and he was found a day later, and so yeah, in other it's a words, crazy story. While they're trying to dig him out, they're selling hamburgers and hot dogs, waiting for him to get. I guess, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Or they were able to take, or they were able to push him up, but I guess they had to bring him to the hospital. I don't know. So meanwhile, rescuers were at the. Um, so okay, this is the next thing. Meanwhile, rescuers were at a loss to move the boulder. Eventually, another cave-in occurred, blocking Collins off from all help. Now, he couldn't be saved by amputation, and after two weeks, Collins died alone from exposure. Oh. Yeah. So this guy, after all this hubbub, he died alone, exposed to the elements and things like that. I would have just, at the first moment I see someone, just cut my fucking leg off, man. Well, all those, well, all those people, I mean... Couldn't you do something? Push the bowl. Push, right? They're too busy selling fucking hot dogs. Exactly. (laughs) Assholes, yeah. So, right? So, Floyd was eventually removed. I know, right? This is so sad. So, to make matters even worse, Floyd was eventually removed from the cave after several years and interred in a family cemetery. Floyd's father, Lee, sold the cave and property to a local dentist named Thomas, who somehow obtained permission to exhume Floyd's body and... Put it on display in a fucking glass lid coffin in the entrance to Sand Cave where hundreds of tourists could gawk at his decaying corpse. Who wants? That's like putting that poor elephant man. Right? Fucking crazy. And it gets weirder. Eventually, Floyd's body was stolen, presumably by rival cave owners who were angry uh, uh, angry at the amount of tourists the body was attracting. And after a few days, his body was discovered in a field minus one leg, which was never recovered, and he was put back in his coffin in Sand Cave, now sands the viewing lid, though people still peeked inside. The National Park System bought Sand Cave in 1961 and closed the cave to tourists, but surprisingly didn't give Floyd a proper burial until 1989. So there was like 60 years of his body just going back and forth and just going through so much trauma. People suck. Right? This is animal, Animals would never do this. They'd never put your body on display like this. They would just eat it. They would. At least, they, honestly, at that point, I would probably rather have an animal eat it. Eat my body. <laughs> Fucking assholes, man. So not surprisingly, a plethora of ghostly activity is said to occur here. Um, In areas associated with Floyd Collins' grim demise, his voice has been heard calling for help. Objects have been thrown. It should be noted that in recent decades, Floyd's caves have been found to be connected to Mammoth Cave. And throughout the areas of the cave system, apparitions have been seen. Um, Like I said, uh, the African-American slaves. Um, And then uh, a couple other experiences that have gone on that aren't that popular compared to the Floyd Collins story, but are still experiences, include tourists from beyond the grave. So according to a report on prairieghost.com, a few rangers in Mammoth Cave have spotted visitors who don't seem to belong. Um, 
They're seen dressed in old-fashioned clothing. The visitors hang back from the main tour groups and then disappear before everyone exits the cave. And at times, tourists interrupt a ranger's speech to ask about the strange man or woman lurking in the shadows. Another ranger reported that someone or something shoved her as she was leading a lantern-lit tour in the cavern. Well, that that reminds me... Um, they used to see people walking in the uh, in the mine, you know, like miners, and mm-hmm. obviously there was no miners in there at the time. Yeah. Early on, when I first started giving tours, I was standing at one place in the mine, and there was a man that came in his, you know, in his uh, flannel shirt with the, you know, with a helmet on and stuff, and he just walked past us, walked through our group, but what was weird was. Not one person in my group of about 25 people looked at him. And I thought that was weird. Yeah. And not one person turned their head. So after he passed, now I'm thinking, all right, maybe this is that ghost man that, you know, the miner that was walking through. So once he was passed, I said to my group, you all just saw him, didn't you, that man? And they're like, oh, yeah. Well, they were just so... You know, concentrate on what I was saying. Oh, boy. I, I was like, thank God. I just wanted to make sure. But it was so weird. Yeah, not, no one, one, not one You're person, such a good tour guide that everyone was so fixated on you and not the creepy man that was just walking through the crowd. And the reason why I didn't recognize him, it was somebody that was uh, doing an inspection. Oh. So it wasn't so someone funny. that worked there with me because I didn't recognize him. Yeah, and you see the plaid shirt. And, the- and just the way we were all situated. I mean, he just was able to walk. Walk through our group. No one had to move. No one turned their heads. That's I thought so that was strange. Like, you all just saw him walk past <laughs> us. Yeah. I was like, Thank, Thank God. God. Thank God. Thank God. <sighs> That's funny. So the next thing uh, is called Melissa's prank. So another legend tells of a woman named Melissa who led a friend or ex-lover, depending on the version you hear, deep into the mammoth, ca- uh, mammoth cave. And as a joke, Melissa left the man to find his own way back, but the unfortunate friend never returned. Some say Melissa roams Mammoth Cave today, searching for the man she unwittingly left to die. And rangers have reportedly heard a woman's voice calling from deep within the cave's passageways, as well as screams and garbled voices. According to an article in Knickerbocker magazine, Melissa confessed the sordid tale on her deathbed before succumbing to tuberculosis. Karma, bitch. Could this be why some rangers have heard violent coughing deep within the tunnels of Mammoth Cave? Um... The National Park Service has an exhaustive selection of Mammoth Cave tours to suit any inclination. So if you're not super into haunted stuff, they have different levels from beginner tours to people that are really into this stuff. So definitely check out the National Park Service uh, website. And, you know, if you're in the area, definitely check it out, you know. Um, So the last and final, uh, this is a really, really short one. Let me scroll up here is called the Moaning Cave. The Moaning Cave. The Moaning Cave, well, the Moaning Cavern. So as one could guess from the name, the Moaning Cavern in Vallecito, California, is named after the creepy moaning sound uh, air makes within the cavern. So in addition to the mournful wailing, witnesses have also heard echoes of what sounds like a hammer knocking up against the rocks. And because of this, the Moaning Cavern is thought by some of some to be the home of mythical uh, mythical leprechaun-like creatures known as Tommyknockers. Mm. Some believe these mischievous cave dwellers are the spirits of those who perished in cave-ins and that their knocking warns of imminent collapses. 
Others say that they're malevolent spirits whose knocking actually causes the cave-ins. So, what? I heard of the, there's a movie, The Tommy Knockers. Oh, is there? I think it's a Stephen, is it a Stephen King? I don't know, I've never heard of it. Okay, yeah, I heard of those, and like, I'll be honest This is with the you. first I've heard of it. Any gremlins or a leprechauns? Oh, I mean, you saw yeah. that movie, the, that. The leprechaun? Leprechaun ah! or whatever. Horrifying. It's evil. Yeah, just stomp on it. Ugh, no. Um, so, yeah. This is, I, 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 the reason why I did this one real short is just because I found it so interesting that they implemented mythological creatures into mm. the uh, into the legends. So others claim the cave is haunted by not Tommy Knockers, but by prehistoric people whose remains were discovered at the bottom of the cave. Three other ghostly apparitions are gold miners that fell into caverns. Allegedly, a prehistoric saber-toothed tiger also plummeted through the cave's opening, and some witnesses claim to have seen the beast's ghost staring at them. One of its large fangs is noticeably chipped, which locals speculate happened in the fall that finished the spectral tiger, now known as Chip. Oh, because his, his chip, yeah. Because he busted his tooth. I know, so cute. So various tours are also available for this uh, cave, including public walking tours and tours that include gold panning or uh, geode cracking. Okay. So yeah, Tommy Knockers is by Stephen King. Oh, it is. Okay, yeah. it's a science fiction novel. All right. Well, if you guys are interested in learning more about the Tommy Knockers, go check out Stephen King's book called Tommy Knockers. Sounds creepy. Yeah, it's a weird name, Tommy Knockers. But, uh, sounds dirty, too. Sounds only, only to you it sounds dirty. Knockers. Knockers. All right, guys. Um, so that concludes our episode of Just Ghouly Things, Haunted Caves and Haunted Minds. Thank you so much, Mom, for being on the show. Oh, thanks for We're having definitely going to have you back. This is fun. Yeah, right? It's, I told you, it's not crazy. We just talk. We don't. A mother-daughter experience. Right? Well, we don't, you know, I like, the, oh, we didn't mention this when I had to take that little break. So usually we just run through these, and if we fumble on a word and we don't completely fuck it up, we just go through it, blah, blah, blah. But as I was finishing up my story, my first story, the audio just stopped. It's the ghosts. Yeah, and I couldn't split the, I couldn't, I couldn't fix it for some reason for like 10 minutes. That's why there was like that awkward little pause you'll notice. In the beginning, and my mom swears it's the spirits not wanting us to talk I'm about you, it. They don't want us telling the story. Maybe it's the spirit. Maybe it's the spirit of the person from the mines That's just follows you. Well, it's weird though because the other day when Vicky came to record our last episode um, on Skinwalkers, I could not even. I couldn't even start the audio. I had to like shut down my computer, restart it, like try all these things. It was See weird. Something, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what happens in the next episode. But thank you, Mom, so much. Oh, thank you. And again, plug what, uh, plug your mine when you tour, all that stuff. Well, you could visit the Sterling Hill Mine website. Um, you know what you think? I would know the website number. Just Google, like I said, mm-hmm. Google Sterling Hill Mining Museum, Ogdensburg, New Jersey. Um, come visit me. I'm usually there on Sundays, mm-hmm. and um, just come and say hi. You'll have a, you'll have fun. And even if you don't go to the tour with my mom, oh. or you go on a tour with my mom and you think it's complete shit, still leave a five star review and talk about how amazing <laughs> my mom is. <laughs> She gets nothing out of it. I she get just nothing, gets happy. I just like to, I just get yeah. I like she to likes see the my positive reviews. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, my mom is only using me for my podcast and the popularity I'm getting from it. That's the only reason why she's here. She's using me. Why not? <laughs> Have to be good for something, right? All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm gonna plug all of our social media. You can follow me at Rebecca Ruber. Should we plug your Instagram name? 
Do, do we have an Instagram? You do have an Instagram. I don't know. Don't it's bother. Deborah Massiello, just so you know. And um, you could follow us at Just Ghoulie Things Podcast on Instagram, JGT Podcast on Twitter. Follow our like our Facebook group, uh, Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. Invite yourself to our private Facebook group page, Just Ghoulie Things Podcast Group. I will accept you immediately. And every day we just post articles, a paranormal, everyone just kind of puts in their two cents. You guys can post whatever you want on it as long as it's like somewhat appropriate. Um, and also donate to our Patreon, Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. Um, I have some content that I have in the works, um, but you know, with your donations, it just keeps building this platform even more for us. We're so thankful for you all. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that they'd like to share on the podcast, uh, feel free to email us at justschoolathingspodcast at gmail.com. Oh, and speaking of guest co-star, so I don't know if you saw this on the Just Schooly Things page, but I am now asking for our boothings to submit themselves so that they could guest co-host on an episode of Just Schooly Things. So you don't need to be local. Everything is going to be through phone call. So I'm going to call you up. We're going to put the. We're going to have our phone conversation right next to the mic, and we will talk about whatever topic you want. So email me at justschoolythingspodcast at gmail.com. That'd be fun. Right. Um, just email me your name, your phone number, why you'd like to be on the show, and um, a couple topics that you want to talk about because at the end of the day, you know, we want you to be comfortable. It's horrifying to be talking to thousands of people through a podcast. We're talking to thousands of people? Thousands of people, yes. Yeah. And so I know, uh, I just told my mom that now, so she'll never come back on the podcast, but, you know, it's a little scary for people. So don't worry about it. This is all a very fun, safe space for everyone to talk about paranormal activity. So again, email me, justschoolythingspodcast at gmail.com, and I will talk to you boo-things later. Goodbye. Goodbye.